You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. This is your co-host, Danny. Fans, we got a full show for you today. First, we'll talk a little bit about the Milwaukee Brewers. And then we'll go into uh, this discussion about the NFL running back situation, man. What's going on? And then we have some news about Magic Johnson. Uh, and then we have to talk about boxing. And then we have an interesting trading card scenario. So like I said, a full show for you today. But first, Danny, right into the Brewers and where... These Milwaukee Brewers are on a four-game losing streak, man. Uh, they are now a game and a half behind the Cincinnati Reds. And this is due to the Milwaukee Brewers losing, getting swept in Atlanta against the Braves. Now, I have to say, the Braves are a legit team, man. Uh, they are a legit World Series contender. Uh, the offense that they have... Uh, is second to none. Uh, their pitching is relatively all right. Uh, but nonetheless, I think it's the pop from the bats. And when you go into the playoffs, that is exactly what you're really needing, uh, some kind of threat throughout the lineup um, just to get runners into scoring position or to uh, have that RBI opportunity, man. But, Danny, I think these – Milwaukee Brewers, and looking over the past few games here, okay, their hallmark is defense. Their hallmark is pitching. Against these Braves, man, I, I just have to say, the Braves just, I mean, it's going to be real, man. They put it on us. They scored at will against us, man. We hung, on, hung in there a little bit. Uh, we fought the good fight, if you will. But our best just wasn't loud enough. And when you have eight runs being scored against you, 11 runs being scored against you, 10 runs being scored against you, that's hard to overcome in, in a series. Uh, we averaged uh, about five runs in this series, five and a half runs in the series, man. And then against the Nationals, in which case we were right there uh, last night, Danny, right there. Uh, and then all of a sudden, a two-run homer, excuse me, a three-run home run basically messed us up. So I say that to say, I believe Woodruff has been out uh, due to injury. I think he's on the mend and, and he's in single-A ball right now trying to get back. Uh, we need that pitching. We need that starter back. But the issue is still going to be our offense. What say you, Danny, about the Milwaukee Brewers? Yeah, they they ran into a buzzsaw in Atlanta. It was not, and they put up, like you said, they put up runs. But when your pitching is giving up nine earned runs and starting pitching, I should say, it's hard to combat that. And they just fell apart where it was uncharacteristic of the pitching to do what it did. But Atlanta is a strong lineup, man, one through nine. And 
Yeah, they put it on us. And then last night, Corbin Burns put in a nice outing. You know, he went through six, and then the bullpen gave Elvis gave up that three-run shot. And they lose to the Nationals. And we talked about this last time where this National Series is big because if they go out here and lose two or three or get swept by the Nationals, that's not you're putting yourself behind for no reason against a team you should be dominating. So I'm hoping tonight they get back. You know, they lost the first game, probably hangover from that Atlanta series and get back on the winning track. But yeah, they got Wade Miley coming back as well as Woodruff. So they have some arms coming in and they made some trades today at the trade deadline. Um, I know they uh, dealt for a left-hander from Arizona. So, you know, they're building up the bullpen, but you got to take this national series. And then they have the Pirates coming up in a four-game set where you have to get at least three or four from Pittsburgh. I know it's a tough call, but you got to Mm -hmm. uh, to keep pace with Cincinnati. So just don't want to lose grip of where you're at and all the hard work you put in to date. So I think once they get mended on the pitching front, and if the bats can just stay somewhat consistent, I think they'll be all right. But just you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. Danny, on to uh, this news about the NFL running backs, the situation in the NFL. Uh, as we all know, Saquon Barkley uh, wanted to put out there that he wanted to actually uh, get a new contract, you know, hold out, ended up having a, a Zoom with other NFL running backs to see what can be done about the running back position. Uh, I have to say, Danny, this is it, it's kind of sad, man, because, you know, you think about running backs, and back in the day, that was like the prime position mm-hmm. because the running backs always got the ball. They always got the carries. They always got the touches. And for them to now just not be, quote-unquote, as valued, if you will, as other positions on the football field, uh, says a lot. I think that Saquon did the right thing in terms of pulling other running backs to see what can be done. The only issue is all running backs has a NFL lifespan. Some are under contract right now, so they don't want to mess up that contract. You don't want to mess up that money. Mm-hmm. Others are on the verge of being on contract, so they don't want to put themselves in a bad position. So it's like, who's going to sacrifice? Who's going to uh, be able to have these conversations or have a potential holdout or wait until the next uh, CBA or whatever the case may be? All for Saquon to ultimately sign the deal. And now you have some other NFL players saying basically the quarterbacks are taking up all the money, which they are. When you think about the quarterbacks, they're basically taking up all the money. Um, So this is going to be really interesting moving forward and how the dynamics is going to really impact the locker room uh, and all. Um, We'll see, but what say you, Danny, about these NFL running backs in the situation? Jason, there's a couple things. If you look at the evolution of the game now, where it's more passing involved versus ground and pound, there are a few teams that still follow that ground and pound approach 
one being Atlanta, other being Tennessee, uh, Baltimore. But I think it's one of those things, man, where when you sign, these, when they get into these CBAs, I think people aren't looking long-term and how that impacts them because technically the teams can franchise or they can tag the running backs twice uh, with the deal. So it's, it's one, it's a catch 22, man, because the running backs are an integral part of the offense, but what teams have are finding out is they can just go grab somebody and not to say they're going to be the caliber of, say uh, Saquon Barkley or Jonathan Taylor, who's going through it with the Indianapolis Colts right now, but they're serviceable. That's what the owners are looking at because if guys are sitting there, like we see all these deals that come through that just came through for all these quarterbacks, Herbert being the latest quarterback getting 260 million, the running back is taking the beating. So (laughs) they have a gripe, but at the same time, it's, it's tough. Just put it like that. It's very tough for them uh, in this environment. And I don't know how they're going to rectify this, honestly. I just don't see it. I don't see owners saying, okay, now we're going to pay you guys because they're the ones, they take the biggest beating. So then, of course, they're the ones at most risk of injury. And in the NFL is different than major league based, the NBA, where everything's guaranteed. And so it's, there's all kinds of different dynamics with the NFL and the running backs are just getting the short end of the stick right now. I think Zeke actually <laughs> uh, kind of messed it up for running backs. If you want to think about it that way, where his contract was so gigantic and then the, the ROI on that contract wasn't there. So owners saw that and like, well, what the hell do I want to pay this running backs for when if I, I need a quarterback, but one last thing is with Indianapolis's case, they actually need Jonathan Taylor because you have a rookie running rookie quarterback. Their receiving core is undermanned, so Jonathan Taylor is going would be leaned upon to carry that team and help Anthony Richardson out in his first his first few years. But now with all this going on with him and Jim Irsay, I don't know what's going to happen out of this. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a tough position for the running backs, man, and that CBA does not help them. And just to add here about Ezekiel Elliott's contract, it's reported, and this is part um, of Yahoo Sports here, he signed a six-year, $90 million contract in 2019. Um, there was some guaranteed money in the first three years of that contract, no guaranteed money in the last three uh, of the contract. Um, and so to your point, yeah, I, I can't recall last time there was like a six-year contract on a running back. Mm-hmm. So Zeke got his money. And I don't blame him. Don't blame him one bit, man. And, and you wonder too. Was. You wonder too going forward how parents and kids coming up playing football in that position of running back, our kids going to clamor to be the running back because you know back in our day that was the position. You're running back. You were that dude. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Wow, that's not the case. Mm-mm. Not at all. Not at all. And now, Danny, on to a feel-good story uh, on 
Irvin Magic Johnson. And we know that last week that he, along with uh, a group, actually purchased the Washington Commanders for a record $6 billion, billion with a B, from Dan Snyder. And Manning was a part of that group. Now, there's other, there's some others, uh, other uh, Black people who are minority stakeholders in football right now. Magic, though, man, anywhere Magic has gone, the flash of the smile, he flashes victories, and he flashes championships, man. Not only as a player, but as an executive, as an owner, as a governor, whatever the case may be, he wins championships. The LA Dodgers, Sparks, the Lakers. Mm-hmm. He wins championships. And so this is going to be very interesting to see what happens to the Washington Commanders, man. And I think they're really going to turn this thing around. I think when you think think about the $6 billion, they still have a stadium that they want to build. The question is, where are they going to build it? And does that add to the actual value of a team, which I believe it does? Mm-hmm. So you automatically it's going to start increasing the value of that team. Now, can he be like Jordan? Because they do go on trips together. Jordan probably gave him some insight, like, listen, man, Matthew, you know how it is, man. I think Matthew probably would be just in it for a, a little bit of period of time here and then sells his interest in it. There's no official report in terms of how much Magic owns of the Washington Commanders. I've seen rumors about 4% or whatever, but let's just think about 4% of $6 billion. That's $240 million, Danny. That's nothing this. He's at man. That's a nice chunk of change. Mm-hmm. And so that's 240 million. This is saying hey, that is the case. That's 240 million dollars after this stadium would be built, possibly some new successes. Not only that, will the Washington Commanders name stay the Commanders? There you go, rebranding. So you got rebranding, remarketing, licensing, mm-hmm. in which we all know. Magic is a veteran in licensing. There's a story out there about how in the finals, when Jordan and Magic played against each other, Jordan said something slick. Magic said, well, yeah, I still own some of these rights, these licensing rights. Jordan didn't know. He Jordan looked into it. He was like, I'll be. Mm-hmm. He owns some rights. So I can see, I can sense a rebranding. Some marketing, new licensing, and even when Magic sells his ownership stake, he's going to still have a piece of that licensing deal. So this is a very, very veteran good move, business savvy move that Magic is doing. So a lot of people know this, man. Magic is my favorite all-time NBA player. Who could ever forget the junior, junior skyhook? Who can never forget the Converse? I had a pair. Yeah, I'll put myself. I had a pair. I had a pair of those weapons, Jay. Yeah, man. I had a pair, man. I ain't gonna lie, man. All because of Matthew, man. I had a pair. 
Um, and he's just a winner, man. And so congratulations, Magic. Uh, anything you have touched, it seems like you have put your Magic touch on it. And um, we'll see what happens with the Washington Commanders. What say you, Danny? Congratulations to Magic and the ownership group for purchasing the Washington Commanders. One, it gives the Washington Commanders a a new start, a fresh start, um, based on all the turmoil and drama and allegations against the organization when Dan Snyder was the owner. And now they have an opportunity, like we talked about, to rebrand it. I think they're going to eventually bring in a some key pieces to make them faces of the franchise. I'm not sure how long Ron Rivera has left there. I think that'll be, he may be Mm -hmm. on a short leash Mm -hmm. where they can start with a fresh coach, you know, someone they want to bring in. So it's a great opportunity. And to be a part of an ownership group for a professional team, especially in the NFL, man, (laughs) you come a long way and, Magic always bases his success on the relationship he had with Dr. Jerry Buss. And Dr. Jerry Buss gave him his first opportunity with the Los Angeles Lakers to be a part, you know, part owner. And from there, that's where Magic, and Magic is the other thing too, people lose sight of. Magic owns things outside the sports arena. You know, with the Starbucks and, you know, all these other ventures he has going on. But to land this and to see what they can do with this and what they rebrand to and how they move forward with this organization is exciting. Because this organization, man, if you remember way back in the day when Doug Williams and those dudes won the Super Bowl. and come on, man. And they were just perennial man powerhouse and powerhouse teams. And they've fallen off where you know making the playoffs is a success for them, where that was not the expectation back when Joe Gibbs and everyone was there back in the day. So we'll see what they do. Obviously, in the division they're in, it's a tough division with the Cowboys, the Eagles who look like Super Bowl contenders again this year, and then the Giants, who, you know, aren't bad. So they, they're they going to have some work in front of them, but I think if they pave the way on their side of it and then get the people in place from the football side, I think it, it could be, you know, it could be a great opportunity for them to do some great things. So congratulations to Magic and JC. You know, Magic's my guy too. <laughs> Close second is Dr. J, but <laughs> Magic was my is my guy, and it's great to see him continuing his successes as uh, he gets older and showing the way too, man, for a lot of individuals to say that it is possible. And you got to understand about networking and connections, and taking advantage of those opportunities if you have someone's ear to soak up the game and make something of it. And now, Danny, on to the big fight that happened this past weekend with Terrence Crawford against Errol Spence Jr., man. Um, this has been a fight that's been 
in the making for some years. And it finally happened. Two champions undefeated. Errol Spence, a little bit younger than Terrence Crawford. But man, Terrence Crawford got into the ring, had a veteran attitude, composed throughout. Um, and you could sense it in his face, man. He was he was ready. He was ready all all day, all night. And he gave it to Errol Spence, man. It was so interesting looking at a little social media out there, man, in the comparison at the end of the fight of Errol Spence. And you remember that episode in Martin with Martin baseball against yes. Tommy Hearns. Tommy Hearns, man. Hearns, man. <laughs> and how Martin came out there <laughs> bumps and bruises and all that. Hey, man. <laughs> they, they had an image of that and Errol Spence right next to each other, man. You kidding me? <laughs> Are you kidding me? All I have to say is, man, pure domination by, by Terrence Crawford, man. Pure domination. I Listen, I was expecting a better fight than this. At the end of the fight, Errol Spence did say, yeah, we can do it again. I'm pretty certain there was a, a clause in the contract for mm-hmm. around, you know, a second fight. I don't know. Listen, Errol Spence is going to have to have a hell of a camp to make up the strategic gap that Terrence Crawford made. I mean, this was, other than round one, all the other rounds to me was basically in Terrence Crawford's. You definitely have to put some respect on Terrence Crawford's name as one of the all-time greats. This was the type of fight that, in my opinion, catapults him to boxing Hall of Fame status. It's going to be interesting if this fight happens this year. I know uh, Errol Spence was talking about we can do it by the end of the year or in December or something like that. Errol Spence, uh, I think you need some time in that gym and some time looking at that film because the angles that Terrence Crawford had, he had punches all over the place, man. And the jabs were heavy jabs. Those jabs were impactful, powerful. And I really believe Errol Spence is going to have to rethink when this fight is going to happen. But congratulations to Terrence Crawford uh, on uh, unifying these championships. What say you, Danny, about this fight? Jason, there isn't much else to say. Uh, Terrence Crawford did what he did. And for Spence to say that, you know, I know it's probably – He's reacting to what happened on Saturday night, but no, man, this has to be a 2024 fight. At least give it a year. You got to give some time to give us some more buildup because just based on the performance, there's no need for you to go out there again and have that happen to you where you let it sit and, you know, simmer down a little bit and then come back and, have uh, part two, but you just don't want to rush it because then it kind of waters it down a little bit. You just want to wait and to, like you said, see what adjustments he can put in place ahead of the fight so he's ready for next the next time because I don't think he was anticipating what Crawford was going to do to him. 
he he came out and yeah, Crawford just dominated. So mm-hmm. I, I think now Spence see how how he did him. Now he can plan accordingly next time, and and maybe it, he has to throw a fight in between to beat up on mm-hmm. somebody else mm-hmm. to get him ready again. You know, for that face off with Crawford. No, congratulations, Terrence Crawford, man. He did his thing. Now, Danny, on to an interesting trading card scenario. Who we got? So, Jason, we have Ezekiel Elliott's 2016 Don Russ rated rookie card for Saquon Barkley's 2018 Don Russ rated rookie card. Couple quick bios. Zeke was the, was the fourth pick in the 2016 NFL draft by the Cowboys. Three-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro. Career, 8,000. 262 yards rushing, 68 touchdowns on the ground. Saquon drafted second by the Giants in the 2018 draft. Two-time Pro Bowler, 2018 Rookie of the Year. So far in his career, he has 4,249 yards rushing, 29 touchdowns. So, Jason, who do you want in your portfolio? Danny, this was a tough one, man. Initially, I was going one direction, but when I started looking at these stats, and really kind of thinking about it, man, I'm, I'm really torn. Both had a very good college career. Saquon, obviously, Penn State. Ezekiel Elliott with Ohio State. I think Ezekiel Elliott really benefited most when he had that great offensive line with the Cowboys. Um, that rookie year, man, Ezekiel Elliott, like you said, man, had – 1,631 yards, man, was a offensive player, rookie of the year. I mean, he was third in MVP voting that year. Is this something about, but he had a whole lot of touches, though, too. So he had a lot of touches, 322 touches, versus what Saquon had his rookie year, that of this 261. And this is be real, man. The Giants just wasn't a good team. But he still did pretty well, Saquon, that is. So this is a tough one for me uh, because I actually like Saquon's running ability better. Uh, He reminds me a little bit, he has a little bit more uh, wiggle, Mm -hmm. um, if you will, and he breaks for long runs. Even though he had this ACL uh, issue uh, and all, I think he's going to come back, he has come back stronger. I am not a Cowboys fan at all. I'm not a huge Giants fan because the, the Giants have done to the Packers over the years. <laughs> Give me Ezekiel Elliott card, man. Uh, I can tell the story. I, I say it with a little disdain, though, but I'll, I'll take Ezekiel. Who you got? Jason, yeah. I agree. This is a tough scenario. And I look at the running styles, and Saquon is a more flash and dash. He's a big dude now. Don't get me wrong. Versus Zeke is a ground and pound type of running back. But when I look at the card I want at this point in time, I'm going to take Saquon's card. And it's based on his trajectory as far as if he keeps building upon what he's doing, I think his card will have more value down the line, uh, barring any injury. Now, if something were to happen, then... Zeke's card is the one I want, but right now I'm going to go with Saquon Barkley's rookie card. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. 
You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.